We're in uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Now, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. If you would, stand for reading of God's word. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I look and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for denarius, and three quarts of barley for denarius. Do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. This is the word of God. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us again to study your word. You've allowed us to survive another week here on planet earth, and we can gather corporately again. It's such a wonderful privilege to do this. We see so many in our country that can't, are being oppressed, and we are so grateful that we can gather together as your church. Father, we look forward to the day when the whole church can be together, whether it's corporately here and everybody can come from home that is sequestered there because of this COVID or the one day that we'll meet in heaven and the heavenly choir will be proclaiming worthy, worthy, worthy as the lamb. Holy Spirit, speak to us truth that we need to hear. We need to hear from our God today. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. You are familiar with this saying. I mean, it's very famous. They've made movies about this sort of thing. Remember, the theme of Revelation is this. Jesus is coming soon. Now, that would be time to say amen. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Okay, Jesus is coming in judgment. That is how he's coming. He's not coming for a picnic. He's coming in judgment to take over planet Earth. Remember where we have been. Chapters 2 and 3 was the church. We saw the churches uh, described, the seven churches. And each church represents an epoch, a period of time that one dominated. And we are in that last phase, that last church, the seventh church, the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church, the church that Jesus said he would spew out of his mouth, he would vomit out of his mouth. That was pretty graphic language that was used. In chapters 4 and 5, we saw the throne of God, and we saw the four living creatures, and we saw the 24 elders, which I believe is the church, and we saw the angels before the throne. And each one was crying something different. The four living creatures were saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and is to come. The 24 elders, and that I believe is us, projected into the future, are saying, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Why? Because He saved us. He allowed us to be there. And then you have everyone in heaven, the four living creatures, the angels, the 24 elders. They are saying, worthy is the Lamb. And then last time we saw everyone bowing before the throne of God. And we mentioned this very specifically, that we are to bow before our God and our God only. We are not to bow before anything else, no false gods, nothing in the culture. We bow before the Lord Jesus Christ willingly. One day, everyone will bow. We will bow willingly. But those who are not on his side will be forced to bow because we know that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We also made an emphasis that we saw in chapter 5 Jesus seated next to Father on his throne. And we see Jesus in his high priest role seated, interceding for us. That is what he's doing now. He makes intercession for the church, for us. But we also saw something very special. We saw Jesus get up from his position of seated, seatedness. Is that a word? Seated? Being seated. Okay. Be, and he moved and he takes the scroll out of the right hand of Father. And we learn that that's the deed to planet earth. The seven sealed scroll. And he's going to be opening that scroll. He's going to tell us exactly what's going to take place. And we made this emphasis 
that we believe the church is in heaven because he changes from his priest role to his king's role when he comes back to take over planet earth. It's a proof text for a pre-tribulation rapture. And I know some people don't believe in that. I hope someday you will be proven wrong. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, we're looking forward to Jesus coming back. One way or another, he's coming. We do know that. Uh, we also know that though the world appears chaotic, and, and you must admit it is chaos now, probably more so than ever in, in our lifetimes, okay? It's chaotic. We must realize that our God is in full control. Full control. And it is important for John to know this. It is important for the church throughout the ages to know this. But folks, it's important that we know this. That though it looks unstable, our God is in control. We must remember that and hold on to that. Remember this. Chapter 6 through 18 Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He was willing, he was able, and he's coming back to rescue us. And he will go from our kinsman avenger as he died for our sins on the cross, our kinsman, kinsman redeemer, to our kinsman avenger as he avenges what Satan has taken, usurped. He's going to take back planet earth. Jesus Christ will take back what has been stolen. Jesus Christ will open the seals. Jesus Christ will pour out his wrath on Satan, on Antichrist, on all the earth dwellers. Remember, earth dwellers are those who have rejected Jesus Christ. That's what Revelation calls them. And when Jesus opens the seals, the judgments happen in sequence. There's three sets of judgments, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowl judgments. And we, everybody is, is universally agreed that the seal judgments at least encompass the first half or the first part, Okay. I believe, and as you're going to see in just a second, not yet, Reagan, that these sealed judgments will go right across the whole period of time through the trumpet and the bowl judgments. The trumpet judgments, some people believe, occur in the first half, and some people believe they occur in the second half. Highly debated. Great scholars don't agree on this. But just about everyone agrees that the bowl judgments certainly are in the last half of the tribulation. That's the absolute worst part. Now, a point of clarification the seals encompass the entire period of the tribulation period. They just don't, the seals just don't stop, and then the trumpets start and the bowls start. The seals are everything that is opened in the scroll. So the tribulation culminating with the return of Jesus Christ. Contained within the seal judgments are the trumpet and the bowl judgments. So we have some pictures here. This is Andy Woods, number one. Now Andy has stopped his seals here. Now, if I knew how Andy did this, I would have extended the seals all the way over to here because I think the seals contain the trumpet and the bowl judgments. He believes the trumpet judgments happened in the first half, and it's supposed universal that the bowl judgments happened in the, in the last half. And again, the pre-tribulation rapture, Jesus is coming back. Now, just for completeness, there are Christians, solid Bible-believing Christians that believe in a mid-trib rapture of the church. And there are those who are pre-wrath that maybe two-thirds, three-quarters of the way, Jesus comes back for his church. And then they're gone for a short period of time and come back. Universally, the Christian church believes, whether you believe in a rapture or not, that Jesus is coming back. At least I believe, and I don't know what you believe, but it's okay, you can believe what you want on this, uh, that there is a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. So the next picture, the sequence of events. I believe the seals go through the whole thing. The seventh seal opens the trumpets. The seven trumpets open the bowl judgments, but they're all contained within the seven seals. So the seven seals go through the whole tribulation period. And then finally, we get the great picture of the scroll. And we know that the scroll unwraps like this. It's not just a little circular thing. It unwraps like this, and each seal is open, revealing what's going to happen next. So with that knowledge, let's go on to the next point. It should be noted that we see in chapter 6, four horsemen. And these four horsemen are remarkably similar to what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 24. Now, I don't have time to really develop this. I could have done a whole talk on the four horsemen in Matthew 24, but we need to make a little progress here. So the disciples were asking Jesus in Matthew 24, 3, what will be the sign of your coming 
and the end of the age. And then Jesus tells them the number one thing that will mark his coming is deception, deception, deceiving spirits, deception. And that'll be the rider on the white horse. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. This is the Antichrist. That's the first seal. The, right, the second one that Jesus mentioned was in Matthew 24, 6, is that war would come. And that's the rider on the red horse, the second seal. And after war came famine in Matthew 24, 7. That would be the black horse. And then Matthew 24, 9 is death, and that would be the pale horse. And I want to mention this. I will mention it again later. It'll come up on the screen, but not now. That this death will encompass 25% of planet Earth. We see this in Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. That is, get ready for this staggering number, 1.7 billion people will die during this period of time. Folks, the age of grace is coming to an end. This is our chance now to be saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The wrath of the Lamb is at hand. And remember the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God is, is called the day of the Lord. When Jesus unleashes his wrath on Satan and his followers. And I believe that this wrath starts with the first seal judgments. And I made several arguments for that. A point of emphasis is this. Everyone that goes into the tribulation period are unbelievers. Okay? I believe the church has been extracted. Everyone going in are unbelievers. But Jesus, but God has a wonderful witness during the tribulation period. Remember the 144,000 sealed Jewish followers of Messiah will witness to the whole world. And then we have the two witnesses in, in Revelation chapter 11. And they will prophesy for three and a half years. And then we have in Revelation 14 the three angels. And one of those angels goes over the whole world, even the little tiniest isolated island of people groups, and will give the gospel to every person on earth. Turn to Jesus. He, tell, he will be proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The second angel will go out, and he will declare that the, the, the religious and the economic system of that period of time will come to a collapse. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. And then he pleads, the third one will plead, do not take the mark of the beast. Whatever you do while you're here, don't take the mark of the beast. This is Revelation chapter 14, 6 through 9. But, this will be all these people dying. There's a great but. There will be a great harvest of souls in Revelation 7, 9. The greatest, I think, in the history of planet earth. From every tribe, tongue, and nation. Folks, I want you to know the four horsemen are coming. This will be on the screen. The four horsemen are coming. They're on the near horizon. Antichrist will come and he will wreak havoc on this earth. And there's another picture that I have here. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. The, the rider on the white horse. The false Christ. War. Famine. Death. But also notice during this awful period of time, as this thing extends all the way through, the great multitude that will be saved. But many, many, many that of these that are saved will be martyred. They'll give up their life for the cause. That is what you want to remember. It's better to get saved now and avoid that whole thing. Okay? Now, how will all of this stuff work out? How will all this stuff transpire? Well, we'll start in chapter Chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, the rider on the white horse. Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. Notice who opens the seals. It is the lamb. It is Jesus Christ himself. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now notice he had a bow and a crown was given to him. This cannot be the Lord Jesus Christ. He always has a crown. He has a diadem. He is a ruling king. Nothing is given to him. He already owns this. Okay? So this isn't speaking of Jesus. And the question of this through the ages is, who is this guy? And many have believed it is Jesus. But I believe it's the Antichrist. It's the Pseudo-Christ. It's the false Christ. He has a bow with no arrows. Indicating that the Antichrist 
initially conquers with diplomacy. He's going to be a diplomat extraordinaire. He's going to be a schmoozer that comes on the earth. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. Remember we were in our study of Daniel in preparation for Revelation. We learn this. Daniel alludes to the Antichrist's slow ascension to power. I was considering the horns. More on the horns in a second. And there was another horn, a little horn. This is the Antichrist coming up among these ten nations that will rule the world. A little one coming up among them. He starts small, but in short order ascends to power. Now the ten horns that are established are ten ruling kings with ten kingdoms in their place. And I want you to hear this. This whole one world thing is going to be in place before the Antichrist takes over. He doesn't initiate it. It's already in place. He simply takes it over. So that's something to think about. Like Antiochus Epiphanes before him, and we went through that guy in Daniel chapter 11, he will come in peaceably. And it says this in Daniel eleven twenty one, and seize the kingdom by intrigue. By intrigue. And after a league is made with him, after a, a, an agreement is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and then his wars will come, and he will force takeover. Please do not miss this. Let me say this again. Globalism is in place prior to the Antichrist gaining control of earth's kingdoms. We are seeing this played out right before us, right before our eyes. There's a major push for globalism. If you look at every single world leader on the scene today, all of them are in favor of globalism but one. We have one man standing in the gap. And the whole world is against that one man. And you know who he is. A one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economic system, all of them anti-God, and the movers and the shakers in this world are thinking it's the only way to save planet Earth. That we all unite together and God says, no, they're devoid of God God says, no, the only way this earth will be united is when everyone turns to him. And he's ruling. Satan will have everything in place prior to the Antichrist assuming power. Satan will orchestrate the chaos. And again, this diplomat extraordinaire, the Antichrist, will appear. And he will solve the world's problems. And people will fall all over themselves for this guy. The rider on the white horse is the Antichrist. And remember this. Satan is a copycat. Would you? I mean, we, we know that. He has a false ceiling. He comes on a white horse. He's always trying to mimic what God has done. In Revelation chapter 19, 13, we see this. Jesus is coming back as a ruling, warring king, not as a diplomat. Verse 11 says this. Now I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. This is Jesus' horse. He who sat on it was called faithful and true and righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, many diadems, king's crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a, with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. This is Jesus coming back. This one in chapter 6 verse 1 is the Antichrist. The pseudo-Christ the false Christ, the many who will be bewildered and think he is the Christ. Oh, the copycat. Now hear this. This is important. Jesus' wrath, taking back control of earth, begins with the first seal. At least that's my strong opinion. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And please note this. Jesus is opening the seals. Jesus is orchestrating these judgments. Jesus is taking back planet earth. Jesus is going to begin to pour out his wrath on an unbelieving world. And hear this, Satan can do nothing. Satan can do nothing. The Antichrist can do nothing until the appointed time of God. Isn't that great? He, he's restrained. There's a restrainer. Why can't he do this? That's a good question. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through 9, tells us why. 
the restrainer is inhibiting him. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Already, that's Antichrist has always been in the world, always at work. He is now, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now the question is, who is the restrainer? Now I believe the restrainer is the Holy Spirit filled church. Some people, if you're, if you're not a pre-tribulation rapture person, then you have to believe the restrainer is something different because the church is going through the tribulation. Okay, I don't believe that. So some people believe it's Michael the archangel. Some people believe it's government. Some people have a myriad of, of different reasons for who the restrainer is. But I believe it's the Holy Spirit-filled church. Until he is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming, just like we read in Revelation chapter 19. So Satan can do nothing until the appointed time. Now, what we are experiencing today in the United States of America, in our streets, the lawlessness is unprecedented because it's being supported by governmental leaders. That has never occurred before. We've had riots in cities, but they were never supported and condoned and endorsed by the governmental leaders. Like governors, mayors, city councils are encouraging this never before. This is all in preparation for the one world government. America has to come down for globalism in the one world government to proceed. Tony Garland says this, makes a comment. The first six seals are thus set in order to show us that these judgments do not arise from chance, but are all under divine control. The great false Messiah of the first seal cannot be revealed until the appointed time. Who's in charge? God's in charge. Who's opening the first seal? Jesus is opening the first seal. It's the first one. The Antichrist, again, comes as a peacemaker, a deceiver, a wolf in sheep's clothing, and the world will love him. This will quickly change from a deceptive peacemaker into, into a warmonger. And we transition into that in verse 3 and 4, the rider on the red horse. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And get these words. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Notice the people kill one another. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, God would confuse the enemies of Israel and they would turn on one another. That was the wrath of God on those people. That's what this is talking about here. Diplomacy will quickly give way to war. And remember, the ten horns are ten ruling areas throughout the world. Ten, used to think it was the European common market. European. Now people are saying, hey, this is more global. This is more global. Daniel chapter 7.24 gives us a clue on this. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another shall rise after them. This will be the Antichrist. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. Three of these areas are going to rebel against Antichrist. He will immediately subdue them to humble them, to bring them low. Now I have a picture that we'll put on the screen. This is from 2009. There's an update on 2014 from the from the United Nations, and this is how the United Nations sees the world distributed. Remember, the United, Stations, United Nations are known by the Jewish people as the United Nothings. They do virtually nothing. But there's, these are ten ruling areas that even they, knowing nothing about Scripture, but it's amazing how this is being promoted now in our age as these areas of ruling. Three of these will rebel against the Antichrist, the pseudo-Christ, the false Christ. Three of them. And don't miss this. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. It was granted to him. And let me ask you this, this question. Granted by whom? 
God. That's right. Good job. Not Satan. God is in complete control. God is orchestrating all of this stuff. Not Satan, not Antichrist, not the earth dwellers. It's God. The rider on the red horse is given his power by Satan, but God is allowing this. God is allowing this. And look at Satan loves war. Satan loves carnage. Satan loves chaos. Whenever you see those sort of things, think of him. Whenever you see war, carnage, chaos, think Satan. Think the demonic realm. Satan will instigate that mankind should kill one another. And God, again, God is going to use him to butcher one another. There will be unprecedented bloodshed. And this should forever put to rest the view of humanism that man is inherently good. Do you know that the scripture says there's none good, no, not one? Now, when we say there's nobody good, you know, in our estimation, there's many good people. There's lost people that act good compared to the rest of the world. But this is in comparison to a holy God who is absolute righteousness. And we realizing the degree of our depravity, none of us is good in the eyes of holiness. We can never stand on that. The consequences of this red rider is this. World peace is ended. It says to take peace from the earth. Now I want you to contrast this with something. Listen to the words of Jesus. What a contrast. John 14, 27, Jesus said these words. Peace I leave with you. You know when he spoke this? Roman boot was on the neck of the Jewish people. They were experiencing the oppression of Rome. And Jesus is telling me he's going to leave and his life is being threatened. And these guys are scared to death by John 14. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. And do not be afraid. You're going to see some things happening, gentlemen. The 12, the 12 guys. You're going to see some things happening here that are going to put fear into you. Don't fear. Don't fear. I'm telling you ahead of time. John 16, Jesus says these, these things I have spoken to you. And by extension, he's talking to us today. That in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Are you, do you feel it? Do you feel the pressure? Yes, you do. Let's be honest. In the world, you will have tribulation. Philispus crushing. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And what does he expect his church to do? Every single church. Overcome, overcome. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Overcome, 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 overcome. The followers of Satan, the followers of Antichrist, the false prophet. Again, the earth dwellers who have sided with Satan, the world lovers can expect these things. Death, destruction, and deception from Satan. But the followers of Jesus can expect these things in spite of what's going on in your life. And again, there's tumult that comes into each one of our lives. Let's be honest. Peace that passes all understanding. The presence of God through it all. I mean, there's nothing more precious than the presence of God through the mud that you're going through. And then the promise that one day all will be made right. And you can just... Shout with me, the king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming to make this thing right. It's important to note that the lost world, the earth dwellers, are getting, getting what it wants in a leader. Pompous words, grandiose promises, which end in death and destruction. And I want to say something to us today as Americans. Be careful, America. Because God will give you the leader that you want. He will give you the leader. Watch this. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 through 15, we see these words. Now remember, Israel wanted a king. They wanted a king just like all the other nations. God was their king. And they were rejecting God. Can you imagine the, the hubris, the arrogance of these people? rejecting God and say, we want a regular king to represent us like all the other nations. And God says, okay, I'll give you a king. And he knew this was going to happen. Back in Deuteronomy, he set up the conditions for the king. God is outside of time. He knows what's going to happen. Watch these words. And these are germane for us today. 
Samuel is speaking, and God is speaking through him to these people. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note that the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and, and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, now watch the promise, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue to follow the Lord your God. If you as the people serve your God, then God will give you a king that will also serve God. But if you reject, if you reject what God wants, He will give you the leaders that you want and then you will suffer for it. Watch what He says. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you. Oh, be careful, America. Be careful, America. You cannot with impunity kill 60 million children. You cannot do that and be blessed by God. Be careful, America. He will give you the leaders that you want. Be careful, America. God ordains marriage, not mankind, between one man and one woman for life. Be careful, America. The red horse was war. And after war, folks, comes famine. Verses 5 and 6, the rider on the black horse. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So after a major war, after war, comes famine and pestilence and that sort of things. Now, remember this. The judgment that God uses on the earth dwellers who will not bow to his rule, this whole thing, this whole war, famine, death is part of that. The first thing is this. Notice the economic conditions. The scales indicate scarcity. Indicate scarcity. A pair of scales in his hand. The inflation will be out of control. A measure of wheat for a denarius. That's a whole day's wage for just a little bit of food to, to, to sustain you. And then number three, substandard food products will be prevalent. Three measures of barley for a denarius. And you know, barley is used as animal food. And that's what will be used then for the starving masses. But the rich, watch the rich. The rich will still have the luxury items. Hurting at the oil and the wine. It's still available to the rich and the famous. Who suffers? The regular person, the poor folks. That's who suffer. Now think about this. Think about the out-of-control inflation that we're living in today. That There's going to be a picture on the screen here. Now, this again, this is Andy Woods from his site. I highly recommend if you want to know more about the book of Revelation. He's really in-depth on this. And his thing that he did here, there was $17 trillion of debt. Well, now the debt is $22 trillion. Okay, $22 trillion. And, the, and it'll cost each family about $150,000 a family to pay off the debt. That's not happening. Next slide. This is a stack of $10,000 bills, just to kind of put everything into perspective. $100 bills, stack of $10,000. Next slide. This is a stack of a million. This is a stack of a hundred million dollars compared to the size of a human being. You see, as the debt increases, the enormity that you'll be able to appreciate will increase and become clearer. Now the next one. Now, this is a trillion dollars. Notice that the hundred billion and the size of this truck and this little guy down here, and if you were to expand this, you would see the little $10,000 pile on the bottom, meaning just about nothing. Okay? And then the next one gives us kind of a picture of what our debt is. $15 trillion, almost up to the top of her head. And again, that's $15 trillion. If you were to expand it to today, it would probably be drowning in debt. Do you think that we're drowning in debt today? America, be careful. America, be careful. Do you think that there is a day of reckoning for America? Be careful. Be careful. I think there is. Verse 7 and 8, the rider on the pale horse. What follows war and famine is death. 
When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth, fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades or Sheol followed with him and power was given to them, all three of these, over the fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death. And then they add an interesting little note here. And the beast of the earth. We're going to expand on that in just a second. So the result of war and famine is, and pestilence and beast of the earth is death. The pale horse is a chloros colored horse. It's yellow green in appearance, much like bile. If you've ever had the dry heaves, then you know what this looks like, okay? You get that little bile coming out. Great picture, huh? The identity of the rider is death. It's the only one that's named, interestingly enough. The only one that's named. And notice what happens. And Hades follows after him. And think about this. Hades is the abode of the dead. The abode of the dead. Prior to Jesus' resurrection, if you were lost or if you were saved, you went into this holding area called Sheol or Hades. Now, I have a picture here. Well, Reagan's ahead of me, isn't he? So anyway, this is the, the, the abode of the dead. The saved people prior to Christ would go into paradise. You must realize that now, today, paradise has been emptied. When Jesus was resurrected sometime after that, paradise ended up in heaven. Remember, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Remember, Paul was caught up into the third heaven. And he saw all this wonderful stuff in the third heaven where paradise was. Paradise is no longer there. Before Jesus, the saved went here and the lost went here. This is now empty. This is now empty. This is still occupied awaiting the great white throne judgment when their, when their fate will be the lake of fire. Also note on this, that the entrance into heaven is through a narrow gate. Remember, Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many, notice the size of the arrow, go into it. Folks, nobody, nobody, and if you're listening to this, nobody has to go to this place, and ultimately the lake of fire. God has provided a way. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord provides us a rescue. It is for any person who will just grab hold of it and say, Yes, I believe Jesus. You died on the cross for my sins. I believe you did it for me. You must appropriate it for yourself. It's not enough to just say, I believe Jesus died on the cross. You have to say, I know that I, he, he took my sin debt. And that I received the gift of salvation. Folks, then you're saved. Then you're saved. You start your journey. You're a baby. You're newborn. And then you're expected to grow. For the rest of your life, you're in a sanctification process, being conformed to the likeness of Christ, getting mature, more and more mature. Nobody's saved to stay a baby. Nobody's born in this world to stay a baby. You're expected to grow. Now with that, let's move on. So verse 8 is very important. Notice that power was given to them. By whom again? God, Jesus, okay? Over a fourth of the earth. This is not Satan taking power. This is not Antichrist taking power. The power is given by God at his appointed time to allow Satan to do what Satan does best. You know what he does best? Steal, you can say it, kill and destroy. That's what he does best. That's his calling card. Although he'll offer you the world. He's such a liar. He'll offer you everything. He will say, oh, just get involved in this and you're going to have great fun. Sin is fun for a what? A season and then there's a payday. Think about, think about this. 25% of planet Earth dies. And again, 8 billion people on Earth. Roughly 8 billion people. And let's just say for conversation's sake that one billion are raptured, that are Christian. I, I really, that's a strain. That's a strain because I'm thinking that there are way fewer that are really born again in the family of God 
than really are. And that's a tragedy. There's such deception going on. But that leaves one point, that leaves 7 billion. So 25% of that is 1.7 billion die at this time. Again, unimaginable numbers, unfathomable numbers. All a result of war and famine and beasts. Therion is the word. And it can mean beast like an animal. It can mean lower animal life, but it also can mean plagues and viruses. Does that become more germane today? <laughs> you bet it does. It can also it could be the two beasts, the Antichrist and the false prophet. But anyway, whatever happens, it's going to be an awful time, a horrible time like none other. Many today believe that the church is going to take over planet Earth. You, you realize that? That we're ushering in the kingdom of God. I want to suggest to you that this is, this is called dominion theology. This is the new apostolic reformation, which I've spoken on before. And this is false teaching. Why am I saying that? Because it's not congruent with the word of God. It's something that people want to hear. It gives us the power as people. We're going to bring in the kingdom. We're going to make this world right. We're taking over planet earth. That's a rah-rah. That's, that's, that's human stuff. Okay? That's human stuff. It's extremely popular today. Look, at Jesus is coming back to save planet Earth from complete destruction. The planet is not being saved by the church to make it a great place for Jesus to come back. Look at what's going to, going to happen. In all these judgments, Earth will be decimated. Hear Jesus' words in Matthew 24, 22. Unless those days were shortened, and he's talking about this tribulation period, no flesh would be, be saved but for the elect's sake. Now, you know the elect can be the church. It can be, it can be Israel. I think in this context, he's speaking of Israel. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Matthew 24, 37. But as it, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, a lot of people say, well, they're eating and drinking and giving and giving in marriage. We've heard that, okay, in the Scripture. That sort of thing. Look, Jesus could have used any example besides Noah. Noah was a significant example. Why? Because lawlessness abounded. Demonism, the worship of false spirits, which I think is happening all over the place now, was, was off the charts. Angels cohabiting with the daughters of men. Sin was rampant. But you know what else was rampant? Violence permeated that world. Genesis 6.11, the earth was filled with violence. What do we see characterizing our world today? It's always been there, but it crescendos as we get closer, where man's inhumanity to man just grows, just grows. And Jesus said this in Luke 18, 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? The church is not ushering in the kingdom. Jesus is coming to usher in his kingdom. The period before his return will be marked by persecution, apostasy, violence, and unbelief. And the Laodicean church, the one that thought it was rich and in need of nothing, that had all the stuff, that'll be the one that predominates in the end time. But there is good news. After the, aren't you glad? There's good news. <laughs> After the time of trouble, the appointed course, the wicked one will be dealt with. And that'll put an end to this whole thing. And Jesus will return to establish his kingdom. And you can almost start cheering. Just, yes, yes, it's time to cheer. It really is all about Jesus. It really is truly about Jesus to the rescue. Yes, I'll even clap for myself. Yeah, there, there we go. In closing, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Why do we study prophecy? You know, most people think it's a waste of time. It's too scary. It's, it's too big of a downer. Why, we can't have people thinking about this stuff and, 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 and keep giving us money. We want health and wealth, and we want it now, our best life now. And It's telling us what's coming. It's telling us the truth. He's telling us what he wants his church to know, to not be caught off guard, that conditions are not going to be improving. This is devolving, not evolving. To avoid the deception of false prophets. And as we see our world devolving, people people being deceived in droves, we have a voice of truth. Remember what Jesus said? You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
That's what people need. They need the truth. They might not know that they need the truth. But God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit opens their eyes and there's a moment of sanity where they can receive the truth. And that's when we enter in. The Holy Spirit is still doing his job of convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is. But we have to do our part. We have to join God where he is working and tell the people the love story of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love story. Remember, you're the remnant. You're the few. The majority don't want to hear anything about this. And, and by the way, because you're the remnant, Jesus said to be ready. In John 15, 18, he says, hey, by the way, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. We're not going to be that popular. We're not that popular in this world today. It's less. I never stopped the church. This world is not our home. And let me ask you a question. Are you feeling more unwelcomed here? Are you feeling a little less at ease in this world? I hope you are. Because that tells me you're in a different kingdom. You're in a different kingdom. Now we've just studied the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These horsemen's hooves are pounding louder and louder as our world plunges headlong into globalism and a one-world government and a one-world religion. That's on the horizon. Anarchy and lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. We will see the earth dwellers acting like earth dwellers. What we see in our cities, this is what we can expect of people as this devolves. They are being controlled by a contrary spirit. Remember, the battle is not against flesh and blood. This is a spirit battle, and we can't look at these as the enemy. We have to look at those as people to rescue out of the kingdom of darkness. How do we protect ourselves from the massive indoctrinations that we're experiencing in this life? All these lies. Now remember, you are living in a country now where the media is totally given over to a contrary spirit. Almost totally. And maybe not all of it. The vast majority. You are not being told the truth. Now we used to think that, oh, that only happens in Russia. That only happens in China. That is happening right now today in the United States of America. You cannot trust what you're hearing. You can't even go to Google and try to get a contrary view of what's being told you about COVID. It's all orchestrated on YouTube. Anybody that has a scientist, you know, well-educated people, they're, they're banned from, you can't, you can't tell us that because we have an agenda that we want to accomplish. How do we protect ourselves? Well, number one, you know the answer to this. We've been through this many times. Many Christians are, are caving and embracing a non-biblical worldview. So what do we do? We stay grounded in the Word of God. Okay, the attack in our culture is on the Word of God. This is the inerrant, infallible Word of God that we trust and build our lives on. Now, we might disagree on a few things in here, but overall, we trust this. We all trust that we are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us. Stay grounded. And the second thing is, stay connected. Stay connected to his people. What does it say in Hebrews 10? Even more as we see the day approaching. And then finally, I'll tell you this. And I think it's more important than any time. That we have a time with God. Just us and God. That we're meditating. And still your spirit. Still your spirit. We have inputs today like nobody ever had. I, we were watching. I, I thank Lana for this. We, we, we were tuned into The Chosen. And I would highly recommend that. The Chosen. It's the life of Christ. And, and I'm thinking about these people. And I'm watching the simplicity of their lives that this, that this is being played out. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about our young people and our middle-aged people and our old people. And how we are inundated with information that they never had. All of these inputs that are constantly on us. It is imperative that we still our spirits. Be still. Be still, Spirit. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. When you do this, when you still your spirit, when you take your eyes off the world and put it on Christ, put it on our God, 
meditate on his precepts. When you do this, the pounding feet of the horses will become dimmer and dimmer. And it is at this time you will hear your shepherd say, he's intimate with us. He loves us. Our Jesus loves us. It is I. Be still and know. Be still and know. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My God is with me through this whole thing. And I want you to do something. Just listen. Be quiet and listen. You can almost hear the footsteps of Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. Don't listen for the pounding. Listen to his soft steps. Messiah is coming. It's getting closer. Luke 21, 31 says this. When you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is very near. Very near. Matthew 24, 14, final picture, says this. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all the nations, and then shall the end come. To all the world to hear the gospel. When will that happen? In the tribulation period, with the angels, with the 144,000, with the two witnesses, God will get his message out. Tell you what, let's praise God. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this time to study your word. Thank you for the hope that we have, that our God truly is an awesome God. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-knowing. There is no place that God does not rule. Satan has temporary lease here. But soon that will end. And our Jesus will come back and establish his kingdom. And Father, while you have given us life and breath, while we can still breathe and move and have our being, help us to be engaged in telling people the truth, the love story of Jesus. Lord, may we not cower in corners as the pressure is, 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 is increasing on us. But may we with boldness tell people that Jesus loves them. The simple story, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is something this world needs more than anything. Thank you, Lord, again for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.